We can find instant satisfaction in almost anything these days. Sleepy? Instant coffee. Need to sell your car fast? Car sales? Instant offer. That's right. Sell your car the instant way. And get it done with Australia's most trusted site for cars. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. The panel. It's 10.23 and a high-quality panel we have today. Uh, Mr. Andrew Gordy, of course, uh, well-known around the world. And Mark Hinton, also uh, a very, very well-respected uh, journalist and uh, man with uh, terrific opinions on a, a lot of things, uh, including uh, yesterday I read the article, uh, Mark, on the Black Ferns. Uh, should they have put Glenn Moore up? Just, uh, looking, I think he's dropped off the line. So I'll go to Andrew Gordy. I'll ask Andrew Gordy. Should they have put Glenn Moore up, New Zealand Rugby Gords? Good morning to you. Morning to you, Smithy. Morning to the listeners. Uh, yeah, I think we, we need to hear from Glenn Moore, and I expect that that'll happen at some stage, but they're absolutely dreaming if they think that, uh, you know, they can just hide Glenn Moore away and this issue's going to go away. He's absolutely got some questions to answer. Um, personally, Smithy, I think he... The whole issue around Glenn Moore's retention in that role was, was almost sort of brushed over in that press conference the other day. I was, I was absolutely staggered um, to hear Mark Robinson tell us that he's still the right man for the job. I've, I've got huge question marks over this, and, and not only that, but I found it almost scarcely believable that the, 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 it was confirmed in the, uh, in the review that was released. The review panel was not essentially asked to find out whether Takura Ngata Aringamate's claims were indeed true. Now, I'm assuming, I'm going to assume that that is all wrapped up in some kind of legal uh, and private uh, employment process at the moment. Um, but I find it really hard to believe that Mark Robinson, when he's got a review in front of him that says that uh, whether or not Takuda's claims were true, other people within that squad have, have confirmed that these are not isolated allegations. How can you sit there and say that Glenn Moore is still the best man for the job? I find that almost impossible to believe. Well, uh, Mark Hinton uh, got hold of you, uh, thank goodness, this morning as well. You, you wrote a very interesting piece on it, um, as you always do anyway. But uh, I look at it and I think, I'm, I'm just looking from the outside in here, 26 uh, areas of concern over seven themes, uh, 26 recommendations as such, uh, yet no one really goes. I mean, I think the back coach, John Haggard, went uh, quite some time ago, but apart from that, no one's gone uh, with the, all this trouble. Um, and, and further to your article, what... What do you make of that? Yeah, Smithy, I was there at the press conference when they announced um, this with Mark Robinson and the uh, uh, two of the women from the uh, panel. Look, my big takeaway was, I, I and I agree with Andrew here, I just don't think New Zealand Rugby get this. I really don't. For starters, two of the four members of the independent panel were employed by New Zealand Rugby at the time of their appointment. One has since left. Two of the four. I, um, the, the, the chairman, who's, uh, the person who led the inquiry, um, addressed that, but kind of, kind of addressed it without addressing if you know what I mean. But that's interesting, point one. Point two is the upshot of this comprehensive and quite damning uh, review, which basically says New Zealand rugby, in, in relation to the Black Ferns, is completely out of, out of date, out of touch and out of time 
with the way they operate this team. Um, their response to um, to a, t- a really telling uh, realization that basically um, that you know that the team was run, run by a bunch of aging white guys who didn't really understand um, their constituency, their players. That's essentially what it says. So their response has been to add Wayne Smith and Graham Henry to the coaching setup. Now, look, those two gentlemen are very highly respected. I've got no problems with them as rugby people. But is that a solution to what's going on here? A- a- adding two more, you know, ageing white guys with probably quite fixed views on life and the way of going about things. Not their fault at all. Don't get me right, wrong here. I'm not pointing any fingers at those two gentlemen. They're just, they're just doing what they believe is the right thing. But New Zealand rugby, you know, you've got you to ask yourself, don't you, Smithy? Do they even understand what the problem is here? Do they even get what this report has found? And yes, um, Mark Robinson, you know, he just brushed off... Um, you know, he accepted some culpability and some blame, but the you know the fact they haven't got rid of Glenmore is absolutely astounding. You know, maybe what he's done is you know is not the, look. There is a restorative justice process as regards um, you know the unhappy hooker. Look, so there's certain areas they couldn't go into. That process is playing out. No doubt, we we won't hear a lot about that, but um, it is playing out. That's why they didn't get into any details there. But look. The abiding sense I got walking away from that press conference, Smithy, was that New Zealand rugby don't get it, that they've got a hell of a lot of change to make. And I just wonder if they've got the right people at the helm. And leaving Glenn Moore there, almost certainly it's a decision made with the World Cup in mind. To change everything up this close to a World Cup would have been tantamount to disaster, and I believe that's the advice they would have received. But leaving him there sends just all the wrong messages, doesn't it? Well, it does. And, Gord, this is an interesting one uh, because in the past, you know, we've had issues leading into, into World Cups uh, with the All Blacks. Uh, and all of a sudden, we hear uh, Wayne Smith's been added to the group or Wayne Smith's coming in now. Um, and we all go, Phew, sigh of relief. The fire's been put out. Uh, here it looks like it's uh, been put out um, uh, using Wayne Smith and Graham Henry, or that looks as if it's been tried to put out. And that, but <coughs> why is it always Wayne Smith and and the likes of Graham Henry, where are the rest of the helpers in New Zealand rugby? Not only that, Smithy, where are the women? Where are the women? And look, I mean, look, I think when we heard about Wayne Smith's uh, appointment, I think Wayne Smith is, is, is a hugely respected uh, coach, uh, thinker of the game, still very, very, uh, very, very much in touch with the modern game. Now, I don't want anyone to take this the wrong way, because I have enormous respect for Graham Henry, but are you telling me that Graham Henry is well-positioned to be a selector for the Black Ferns. I find that equally astonishing. He comes, he brings enormous mana, uh, and obviously he is, he is hugely respected. But are you telling me that Graham Henry is, is watching, watched every game of Super Rugby Opaki? Is he well-connected to, to who is playing well, who is not playing well, what some of the key issues are in the women's game? I, I would have serious, serious questions about that. So many, so many questions come away from it, and, I, and I've got to take my hat off to Mark. Actually, um, I, I watched uh, every every second of that press conference the other day, and I thought Mark's question regarding whether uh, New Zealand rugby has failed in their duty of care to the Black Ferns was an absolutely bang on question. And for Mark Robinson to say that they haven't, um, frankly, is, is just simply not owning it. It's not owning the issue, and and I agree with Mark. I don't think they get this either. 
um, by, by essentially responding to this by putting two, two men around the team. It's just, it's just completely missing the point. And my gut feeling when it comes to Glenn Moore, I, I do agree with you guys. I think it's, it's so close to the World Cup that they perhaps think it's, it's simply too late to make a change. But I just wonder as well whether they, at the end of the day, perhaps didn't have enough hard evidence to be able to sack this guy. Um, and, and by the fact that they've actually decided to stick with this, with, with Glenn Moore through to the World Cup, that they're going to have to, they're going to be held responsible for that decision. If this team doesn't perform in a, in a World Cup on home soil, then I think the questions are going to be aimed firmly at Mark Robinson for this decision. Mm, okay, 10.31 here on SENZ. Um, uh, we've got Andrew Gordy and Mark Hinton with us um, on the, the sensitive issue of the Black Ferns. Uh, when we come back, we might look at another couple of issues as well. But right now, it's time for the news with Aroha. The panel. Well, it is 10.33 here on SENZ, uh, part two of the panel now with uh, Andrew Gordy and Mark Hinton and uh, Gord's Marcello Montoya gets a four-game ban. Uh, hopefully that puts uh, this issue to bed. Um, but how do the Warriors uh, and um, and those in power handle that, do you think? Yeah, look, I, I suppose when when the news came through that it was a four-week ban, I understand they were, they were seeking six weeks for this, uh, but because of the, the remorse shown uh, very quickly, obviously, and his previous record, it, it drops down to four weeks. It, look, it feels about right to me. Um, we've just been sort of... Actually, just, just sort of came off a, a call with a colleague there, so we were having a bit of a hypothetical discussion about about how this then compares and, and a few what-ifs. And the, the comment was obviously directed at, at Kyle Felt, and we were sort of asking ourselves, now, if it turned out... The, the, the target of this of this slur was indeed gay, I think this would have elevated this to a whole new level um, because it goes from, from being just a, an act of, frankly, stupidity. I mean, that's what Mar- Marcelo Montoya's been an idiot here, hasn't he? Um, but by making this comment, and I'm sure he does regret it, but if the person on the end of this had, had, in, had indeed been gay, it goes from offending a community to offending a singular person as well. And I think if that had been the case, um, this would have been a much, much bigger ban. And the other question I have then is the the NRL has effectively drawn a line in the sand when it comes to the issue of homophobia. They're they're basically saying any sort of of act of of homophobia which is demonstrated on or off the field, uh, we're looking at, we're sort of putting it in that six-week range. Now, how does that compare to someone like James Tedesco who made a, a racial slur off the field, and he got a $10,000 fine. So what is, the, what is the NRL saying then in terms of how the issue of homophobia compares to the issue of racism? I feel like that is a little bit out of sync. I'd be interested to know what you guys think about that as well. Yeah, I'd be interested to know what you think, Mark. Yeah, well, look, the NRL needs to come kicking and screaming into 2022, doesn't it, where this sort of behaviour is unacceptable. Purely and simply unacceptable. And I, I'm not even sure four weeks is enough. I know it's, a, it's, it's effectively sledging, but, you, you, you know, you are going, what the NRL has to do is change habits. These are habits. These, these sort of remarks that the, these young men think are, are acceptable when they clearly aren't to society and to the people that pay their wages. 
So um, to change habits, I think you need to come down with the sledgehammer, not the not the little uh, not, the, not the little tiny uh, rock axe. You know, it's um, look. This is a big. This is a this is a big issue, and it needs to be addressed. And yeah, I I, I just yeah, as Andrew says, consistency is it there around around you know all of these things, but to change habits. I, re- I really think sometimes you need to make an example of someone, and maybe Marcel Montoy is lucky he only got four weeks. Because we, the, the message needs to be sent. You know, we're, we're living in 2022, and you can't go out in the field and say this stuff. You just cannot do it, no matter how angry you are or no matter how clever you think what you've said it is. So um, for me, four weeks, I, I think he's lucky. I think he's lucky to return in a month. I know about, I know, you know, uh, he's a you got time for good behaviour and all that sort of stuff. But for me, the NRL uh, has to start cutting the stuff right out of its game. There's no place for it in modern sport. Mark, what okay, do you reckon Mark, if I uh, just jump cool. in here? What, yep. what do you reckon is a fair... What, what is a fair uh, ban, I suppose, when it comes to anything like this? Homophobia, racism, sexism. If we're all going to... Uh, are we all treating those those issues equally? Um, what would what do you think would be a fair ban? Because I, I, I don't disagree with you at all on that. I think there's... They have to come down hard. They have to make examples. And if this is, if this example isn't harsh enough, what do you reckon would be a fair ban for any act of those three things that I've mentioned? Well, I think I think a combination of of time away from the sport and a financial penalty. I th- I don't think it's what it necessarily needs to be one or the other. I I think if you if you take a player out of the game for a length of time, then maybe four weeks is deemed appropriate for a first offender. But he should also be hit in the wallet. He should also have to pay. Um, this is the only way these guys will learn, I think, Andrew. I, so, uh, you know, I think I think you hit them hard in the pocket. You don't let the clubs bail them out. It has to come out of their wages or whatever. I don't know, whatever the system is. But they, they should have to pay out of their wallets. And believe me, they won't do it again when they're paying out of their wallets. What do they do in the EPL, Gord? I mean, that, this is a bigger issue in British fo- in English football, isn't it, or world football? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question, Smithy. I'm just trying to remember off the top of my head. There, there has been instances of racism, like John Terry was probably the most most infamous one, I suppose, um, when he made a comment directed at uh, Anton Ferdinand, I think it was. I, mm. I look, I'm, I, I haven't got that detail off the top of my head, but I have a feeling we'd, we were looking at sort of eight games or something like that. Um, yeah. The other point I'd make here is we can we can have bans and we can have fines. What about what about education? Don't, don't the NRL have a responsibility here to make part of the part of the ban or part of the the penalty? I suppose making Marcelo Montoya go through some kind of education process, some, so, so that he has to spend some time, not just money, some time actually sitting down and understanding what that term means, who it has offended, and why it has offended offended that that community. I think the NRL's got a responsibility there to the player. Um, not just the individual player, but as a collective as well, to make sure, if you want to make meaningful change, don't just keep these guys out of the game for four weeks, six weeks, ten weeks, whatever you want it to be, and, and find, you know, ping them 10, 20 grand or whatever. Make them actually sit down for, for several sessions um, and go through an education process. Maybe that's how you'll change these things. Speaking of time out of the game, Mark, uh, we're going to see Anton Leonard-Brown with a lot of time out of the game, which makes, uh, and if it's not always uh, an area of contention, an area of conversation, the all-black midfield, very, very interesting, and Geordie Barrett's development in that position, even more <coughs> important, I would imagine. 
Yeah, absolutely. Six months out, I mean, it's going to take Anton Leonard-Brown, who's really, let's face it, the Mr. Fixit of the All Blacks midfield. It's going to take him out of the uh, 2022 uh, international season, the most important season in the cycle, apart from the actual World Cup itself, of course, because this is when things have to be nailed down. So Ian Foster is going to have to do it without his senior midfielder. As you say, Smithy, in a position that's um, got a lot of contenders but hasn't um, really nailed down two guys of the ilk of Manonu and Conrad Smith. Um, and, and it's been a bit of a problem in terms of just finding those solutions. Look, um, Ian Foster's going to have options. You mentioned Geordie Barrett. It's timely that he's playing there. I think he now becomes uh, much more of a car sign option without Anton Leonard-Brown there. But also Roger Tuivasa-Shek, who I think is close to coming back for the Blues. We'll find mm-hmm. out very shortly when their squad's name. But I think he is at least fit and available now. So we'll see him back on the field. I think yeah, I think M. Foster was always going to be interested in Roger Tuivasa-Shek. He's going to be even more interested now with 12. Of course, David Havili is the incumbent. But cheap as he tailed off at the um, second half of the international season. And there's got to be some question marks about him. And I, I don't really think he's setting the world on fire yet for the Crusaders. Um, so you've got also Quinto Tupaia. So there's a lot of options um, at 12. And then in, mid, in midfield, you've got Rico Ioani, uh, Braden Enor. And I think Lester Fyang and Nuku needs to be looked at. This guy's a real rising star of New Zealand rugby. And, he, and he's got that utility value of being able to play wing and centre. So um, their options are there, Smithy. But without the senior guy, it's going to be interesting. Of course, I should have mentioned the return of Jack Goodhue as well for the Crusaders, mm. who is a, another one of those guys that can play 12 and 13. So look, to me, he's got a lot of options. I don't think it's necessarily that bad a thing. But in terms of nailing down our World Cup midfield, it is going to be a blow um, in, um, in terms of you know getting an established duo there. He's not uh, without Anton Leonard-Brown, who you would have to think would be the first guy picked. So... Interesting times ahead. Has Geordie Barrett done enough to be considered a, a, a 12 now? Will Roger Tuivasa-Shek be able to play his way into the mix? And can Jack Goodhue come back to play? We'll know he was before. <laughs> a lot to watch over the next uh, six or seven weeks of Super Rugby. Mark Hinton, thank you very much as always. Gord's uh, enjoy uh, having a chin wag with you on a Wednesday morning. Long may it continue. Thanks for your time again this morning as well. That was the panel, folks. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.